Hi, everyone, and welcome once again to What's the Damage, companion show to the incredibly well-known and popular and award-winning, can I say that? It's fair use, I can say that, real play D&D show, Roll for Damage. The fight for racial justice in the real life continues, and COVID cases are spiking all over the United States, so stay safe, wear a mask, stay determined, and make sure to stick around until the end of the stream for our useful links for um, bail funds, information, other ways you can help. Um, so, anyway, back to D&D. <laughs> Last week, our heroes had a relatively quiet time wandering around the city. Um, they read some books, they had some more visions, they caught the scent of a few plot hooks, and to cap it all off, Dobby may have finally found his black market. It's a pity there's a monster at the gate, but they didn't get to fight yet. They ended right there. So cliffhanger. Um, we'll be talking about all that and also doing a deep dive on D&D races today, from elves to orcs to weirder, more obscure races too. All of that coming up right now. I'm your host, Truth Benson, and this is What's the Damage? Welcome back. With me today are two very special guests. We've got Laura, who plays the wonderful Peregrine, and we've got Khalil, who plays the equally wonderful Baltaim. So guys, what's the damage? You're about to fight a monster. You're not quite there yet. <laughs> Thanks, you excited? Dobby. <laughs> Thanks, Dobby. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Thanks, Dobby. That's a yeah. That's, Dobby's that's not here today, so we can't yell at him in person. No, but he can feel our anger. He can yeah. feel, yeah. Jay feels like a tingle on the back of his neck, like oh, somebody's talking about me. I'm not worried. I'll say. Mm -hmm. I, I don't I believe. Feel... I don't necessarily believe that necessarily, but I'm gonna say it just to have that energy out there. I'm thinking. fairly confident that we'll be okay. I feel like it'd be a lot easier if some very dumb halfling hadn't slept in an alley for no reason and lost Wait, his magic that? sword um but i think i mean or you know i've i've still got all of my spells and all of my wild shapes and as long as barry can exist we're pretty good so <laughs> yeah, that's true um, barry's kind of dangerous barry is always a treat <laughs> yeah, yeah. how's barry so gonna oh sorry Oh, no, I said I feel good. I have my spells, too, so, yeah. Yeah, I think you guys are pretty well pre prepared. How's Barry going to do in a basement, do you think? Bit of a small space you're in. Uh, we'll see. I mean, there's going to be some stuff knocked over. Um, yeah. <laughs> but considering uh, Harry hasn't seen enough stuff yet to get really good wild shapes ready yet, Harry's a pretty good go-to. Yeah. I'm kind of hoping she'll adopt like camel for the for the environment so you guys can just like go across the dunes. That'd be fun. Very it'll be very Lawrence of Arabia. Well, we have some time in town. I'm gonna look for animals. Um that's always on Perry's to-do list. What animals can I find and sketch and learn to become? To-do list, go to the zoo. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so you guys um so you guys did have a 
pretty like walkie aroundy talky kind of episode but there was some interesting stuff that you guys learned and a couple of plot hooks that you saw that were, will definitely come back later I assume um so first off Baltaim I feel like you right now are seeing a lot of like parallels between what's happening with you and what ha what's happening with Quinn. You've both got sisters in the mix. You've both got, I think, shadowy organizations um, playing with your family. So the first question really is, um, do you, does your character feel like a weird sense of kin kinship with Quinn now that you've gotten to know him better and you know that you have this in common? I, I think, yes. Uh, short answer, yes. Um, I think uh, since they've met, I think Baltaim has really got connected to, uh, strangely enough, Dobby and Quinn. Uh, he, I think he feels a, a kinship to these two people. Um, base, basically, their personalities are, uh, even though D Quinn and Dobby hate each other, they're very similar, in, in fact, as characters. They are very straightforward. They're very impulsive. They just maneuver in different ways. And I think Baltine relates to that, uh, that like that aura, like that energy. Um, they both have this kind of, we all, all three of them kind of have that kind of straightforward it. Like, I'm really like, I'm gonna tell you what I want. And if I don't, like, if that's not what I want, then I'm trying to go do what I need to get mm -hmm. done. So I think, yes, I think he does feel very connected to Quinn and he sees the like, uh, either by chance or by fate, they are very connected and have very similar roles in the, the, the universe. Interesting. Is um, Baltaim like a big believer in fate? Um, he he is. He's he like he sees it more as like the fate is essentially what you do with the chance, the choices you have in life. Um, you you clearly don't know your fate, but everything is up to you to choose what to do. That is what your fate will be. Um, only the gods will know the higher of what your actual like sprawled out fate is. But he is just in that moment of I will make this choice and if it went right that was fate if it went wrong it was fate as well that's where I would if I get to where I need to go that's what uh, the gods had planned for me to do to make it to where I am now mm -hmm. it's a very kind of zen way of looking at it while still being like um within the kind of D, &D range of religions it's funny too that you say that you feel closest to like Quinn and Dobby personality wise because I see you guys as kind of like on the same line, but on different points of the number line, mm -hmm. like on the line of straightforward, you've got Dobby, who's obviously very aggressive and impulsive. You've got Quinn, who's kind of in the middle. Then you've got Baltaim, who's very laid back, but he has kind of like a solidness to his personality. Like he's not loud or overspoken the way Dobby or sometimes Quinn is, but he's mm -hmm. very much, I'm going to go this way and I'm going to walk all over you if you're yeah. in the way. Yeah, that's Baltaim. Cool guy. Um, let's see. So we started getting little hits to go on with Ball. We started getting little hints of his backstory starting to be woven into the plot. Um, so without getting too far into um, like backstory spoilers, can you tell us a bit more about what this journey means for Baltaim and what it feels like for him to finally be seeing progress after um, I don't know, like a month and a half of traveling with these people? Um, I think the interesting about thing about Baltaim is that he himself, even though he might have that air of like he is um, prepared or he has, you know, he's solid, I think even he doesn't understand what this all means in the grand scheme of things. Um, I think, honestly, I believe that he thinks he shouldn't even necessarily be the one taking this journey. Um, I think he... I think he thinks he is, uh, he's uh, stumbled into something, uh, stumbled into greatness essentially. Um, and he is, I think he's taking it one foot at a time, trying to necessarily, not necessarily trying to be a hero, but just trying to do what he can to the, his part of what he has to play into this bigger picture. Okay, so he's not overly like, jumping at the bit to get at his particular plot he's willing to let it just happen i think i think he think i think he thinks as long as he doesn't actively ignore or disavow something that comes to him like uh he just kind of you know 
ignored the information that he's going to get that he had got from uh, the last session. I think as long as he's keeping an eye out and is aware of what's going on, I think he thinks it will come either it will come to him or he will, you know, he'll naturally gravitate towards where he's going. He's not necessarily um, um, as impulsive as I, let's I say Dobby. Um, he he wants to do uh, that. Um, what he thinks will accomplish his goal with his sister, but he's been told uh, that uh, there is a deal, and if you complete your deal, there's you know it takes patience to you know get to where you want to go, and you know you do this for me, I will do this for you, essentially. Mm. He's more the slow and steady kind, then. Kind of. I think I think he's just more. He's more. He's more willing to, he's more willing to be honorable enough to agree to give up parts of his life to do things for someone else. Mm -hmm. Very noble. Okay, um, Perry. So I wanted to ask you this question last episode, but you were not on. Um, were you on last episode? There was one episode no. where you like had to call off and we replaced you with Jake and I had to redo a bunch of the questions last minute because we replaced yeah, you with that Jake. Was, yeah. yeah, that was last week. <laughs> okay, that was last week. The weeks are so weird this last yeah. time. Anyway, yeah, um, time so um, time is fake, you guys. I'm sorry <laughs> to say. So um, yeah, so the week before last, you guys, um, yeah, you guys spoke to Lux Eterna and they sent you on this little mission and it turned out you were actually acquainted with one of them previously. Can you tell us about the slimes? Okay, so uh, <laughs> uh, Perry arrived, she had just left her home uh, and arrived in a, in a Agraria. Um, and because Perry is Perry and had no idea where to go, she asked someone <laughs> where she could find people who knew things and wound up at the Explorers Guild where she met Bolton. And back off, he's my NPC crush. I love Bolton. <laughs> he's so funny. Um, and she was asking questions and Fulton came wandering in and asked her to help him carry a box. Mm -hmm. The next thing she knows, he's opening said box in the back room and some strange slimes are coming out. <laughs> um, and that was really her first encounter with anything that wasn't natural. Um, she'd hunted with her mother. Mm -hmm. She'd, you know, been used to climbing trees and dealing with real animals. But for the first time ever, she was faced with something that didn't belong. And they were just some sort of weird slime creature that she immediately drew in her journal um, mm -hmm. to save for later. And Fulton wound up saving her life. So... Um, now they're besties. Yes. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah. So what was it like? So did you um did Perry like spending more time with Walter, or did they just part ways right after the slime? It, they immediately parted ways. It was a sort of oh, I have to go. Here, here's some information. <laughs> go to Dash. Um find this guy I gotta go and Fulton was out and no one wanted to talk about what happened um <laughs> nobody at the front desk wanted to know about what had happened um so she had no idea who she'd just met um mm -hmm. or what was going on only that the world is a weird place and yeah. big cities are bizarre that's true um so what was it like for her to like like meet out of the blue once again this guy who was I think probably one of the first people you connected with um or had like an important really if brief relationship with after she left her her enclave and to realize that hey he's pretty important I think for Perry it was it was it was thrilling and exciting and and well she's met these people and they're kind of her friends it was a familiar face where she hasn't seen a familiar face and now a month and a half or more. And for her, it was super excited because, exciting because it was somebody who, who knew her, knew what she was looking for and recognized her. Mm -hmm. See, happy to see her. Yeah. Oh, poor Perry, she's not in Kansas anymore. <laughs> yeah. The big wild world is awfully scary for poor Perry. 
Yeah. So it's been um, over the past couple of episodes, it's been my impression that within the group, Perry is stepping into sort of not exactly a managerial role, but kind of the organizational role. She seems to often be the person who says, okay, we need to plan our steps going from here to here. We need to make sure we have the right supplies. We need to make sure we're doing everything, not by the book, but by some kind of logical order. So is this the kind of um, role that she naturally steps into? Has she done this before or? I, I think it's more, she's sort of channeling her parents. Um, mm-hmm. Her mother leads the hunters of the tribe and her father is sort of um, kind of well-known and, and um, an orderly, neat, tidy kind of guy. And so like everything has its place and she knows that there's a right way to do things and she gets overwhelmed pretty easily. So especially with all of this stuff lately going on where Dobby has gone crazy um, (laughs) or gone full Dobby, um, Perry just feels like something has to, we have to do something and we have to do this. Like she feels like a need to just make things make a little bit of sense. And this is the only way she knows how, because at this point it's either that or I'm going to turn into a cat and go find somewhere to hide. (laughs) Um, So she is imposing order because she wants a sense of control over her life. A a little bit, Um, especially, especially since what she saw at Mm -hmm. Avonhurst. Um, She's, she's not used to everything being haywire. She's used to being able to go off and do her own thing. But when she got back to the village, everything was still going to be okay. Now, every time she blinks, something crazy is happening. Yeah, it's the way of things. Uh, Um, hmm? uh, I just want to say, I think that's interesting because I feel personally, uh, just kind of sitting and watching it. I think um, we all kind of have that same energy of we're all kind of like, I'm not used to like, like necessarily being like a, a leader-ish role. I'm like, you know, Perry, you know, does her own thing usually, or she, you know, she's not, you know, not at Dobby level of like, I'm just going to do this without telling one. Uh, and she'll be like, you know, I'm, I'm going to do this, but like, she seems like a more like in the flow, like I'm just trying to do things to make sure I can get what I want to get done. And like, uh, Quinn is kind of like that. Baltine's kind of like that. Uh, Cynric's like that. Um, um, I think, uh, Dobby's definitely like that. Dobby's very um, like that. Yeah. I think Baltim's <laughs> not sure where the gauge on uh, Oriana yet. He uh, he can see where she can either be either or, um, but it kind of seems like everyone's got, mostly everyone's got that same, we're kind of, you know, going with the flow. Um, and it's kind of interesting seeing Perry go into that role of like, oh, let's, let's make sure we're not like alone, guys. Let's not go soft uh, yeah. by ourselves. Uh, yeah, I feel like what's happened is it's, Every time we've gotten split up, Perry has realized how bad that goes right. because they can't reach each other. Um, so while she's used to, well, we can all do this and we can all work together and go with the flow, she's realizing sometimes that doesn't work right. because when we all go and do our own thing, we get separated and then bad things happen. And there, there's a realization of how bad being marked by this dark god is for her. Like she's got enough baggage back home with all of those sick people. She doesn't, she feels like at some point we have to take this seriously, which is a weird feeling for her because she takes nothing seriously. She sort of feels like things will be the way they will be. That's the natural order of things. But now it's like, well, if I just let Dobby run off and I let us all go five different ways we're gonna wake up in the morning and something bad is going to have happened to one of us and we need each other and she's recognized that we need each other character development yeah it's interesting (laughs) to see that character development yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so sort of jumping off of that um as I think both of you were saying you all appear to be um characters who are not loners exactly but sort of accustomed to having individual goals which you are individually working towards you're not used to group projects but you have all been forced sort of into a group by all being marked by the same um god and all um like you know given this little thing of oh now you have to stop the apocalypse all of you (laughs) you guys (laughs) 
<laughs> y'all, but you guys barely know each other is the thing. You've only been traveling for a bit over a month. So how do you feel like the group is coming together? Like what are the interesting dynamics that are starting to happen? How are you starting to mesh as not just a group of people, but as an adventuring party? Um, well, I think, I think, um, I think mostly Baltine gets along with pretty much everyone. I think, uh, uh, I think the wonder combo for some reason is uh, Baltine and Dobby. It's just, it's just something. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it's something. Uh, but uh, it's, I think it's getting somewhere. I think uh, Dobby is taking a step towards um, leaning a little bit less from the Dobby like full full on Dobby, um, <laughs> I think uh, I think Baltim and Cynric's just opposite like chiller personalities are rubbing off a little bit better on him. Um, We're I trying think, to get him to like semi Dobby. Yeah, like se- half half <laughs> half Dobby. Dobby. Yeah, get half Dobby. Yeah. Yeah. Let, let's um, do, let's go. Yeah, half and Dobby. Full Dobby. Perry are pretty like they're they have no issues. They're like yeah. I mean like that's what you want to do. Like it's cool. Like what do you think? Like okay, that's cool. Um, I think. Him and Perry are, I don't think they have any issues really. They're pretty cool. Yeah, um, I mean, I think Perry gets along with just about everybody um, because she comes from a community where everybody works together. Um, It's this great little hippie commune and we all work together and it's fine. Um, So it really throws her for a loop when someone is very, very selfish the way that Dobby behaves. But everybody else, she's just like, okay, well, we all have our own goals but we can work together. Um, I mean, she's, she hasn't really found like, you know, somebody who she like super meshes with, but I don't think she has any problems with anybody. And even, even Dobby, she understands that he's got his own damage, but the way that she looks at the world is like, well, if we all work together, if we all do what needs to be done, we all come out ahead. Um, but every time she turns around, Dobby's running off or yelling at her. (laughs) for a suggestion or asking someone where there's dynamite and getting or people looking mad for, or <laughs> looking for drugs um fun shit yeah you guys are slowly starting to get to know each other and we'll see what happens once you break through all of your little hard hour shells to get the little coconutty goodness inside I'm not sure why I decided you guys are coconuts but <laughs> that that's, coconuts? that's canon now um that's nobody fine. can stop me <laughs> Twilight coconuts. Twilight yeah. coconuts. Okay, so sort of another group question, but um, as we've seen, the threads of fate are kind of tightening around all of you. Um, so how do Perry and Baltaim like individually feel just about where they're going in their quests as they, that they've been given, either personal quests or this huge overarching quest. They feel like they're making enough progress. Do they feel nervous about all the sudden responsibility? How are they coping mentally? How are they coping? <laughs> um, I mean, Perry is terrified um, because she feels like she's not doing enough and she's not moving fast enough because she's well aware of how bad things are back home. But she also is aware that people don't know who her people are. Um, everywhere she goes, somebody is like, well, I don't know who you're talking about. Never heard of them. Um, Fulton's really the first person she's talked to who knew who they were by name. Um, and she's still kind of mad at him for, he told her, I've heard of them, but I don't know anything about them, uh, when they first met. And then he's like, oh yeah, no, it's, 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 it's with the desert ocean. In. And so Perry's really afraid that she's always afraid that she's, she's already too late. Um, so she feels like she's not making enough progress, but she's also got this, this sort of weight to, well, now not only do I have that back home, which I swore I'd take care of, but also now I'm marked and now there's this going on and now I'm going to meet people I was, I've been looking for for months. Um, so for her, it's a little overwhelming, but also really exciting because this is the first time in who knows how long, as far as she's aware, that her tribe has had any contact with another tribe or had the potential for any contact with another tribe. Hmm. Interesting. Um, yeah, I think Baltain, I think he thinks he's on the right track. I think he's he's content of what's going on so far. I think he, I think 
him doing what he's doing is going to get, or I think he thinks doing what he's doing is going to get to where he wants to be at. I think. <laughs> I, put I get you. I get you. I guess where answer, you're going. To be honest, yeah. that's a very bold he, 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 he is, he's in, he's in the flow. I think he thinks this is going to go well. Might he's not, like, but. yeah, this is, we're going. Yeah. Okay. Um. So that kind of brought me a little bit into my next question, which was for Baltaim. So uh, first off, I'd like to officially give Baltaim um, line of the game with "Is this book broken?" <laughs> Congratulations. So it's obvious that Baltaim's not really a scholar, um, but a lot of the stuff that's happening is quite cerebral and thinky and weird and obscure. How does he feel about like the lack of straightforward answers, like go this, go here, and fix this thing? Um, he's like, okay, uh, Oriana Perry, like, what, what did they just say? I don't, I don't. What? <laughs> Whatever they said. <laughs> like, uh, they like. I think he 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 thinks about things. Um, he might necessarily get it off the bat, but he, I think he understands. Oriana's very smart. Perry is very smart. Um, even Cynric. Cynric is very wise. He's maybe not smart just like book learned but he's very like he has been around the block so he has knowledge to give uh, and he just well, i think Baltim just listens to what they have to say and if that personally doesn't like res resonate with him like in his in core he's like no i don't feel like that resonates with me and i think he's more of a gut like learner i guess like he he mm -hmm. follows his gut if there's something someone says something to him he's like that doesn't sound like up and up i'm i don't think that's right um vicious yeah, he's like, no, I don't think that's that's not sitting with me right. I think he is more inclined to follow that, but he is, I think he understands like I'm not the smartest person in, like in a ten mile radius at all. Um, so if someone smarter than me says, oh yeah, this is something we should like think about or like do or you know listen to, he's like, okay, I'm gonna let them think that out because they are clearly um, thought longer or thought about this a little bit more than yes so he's like yeah i'm gonna kind of pay attention to what they have to say um and then kind of react on what um they repeat to him or what he feels necessarily that's cool so he trusts his party members essentially to do yeah. more of the heavy brain lifting and he will just you know he's, he's better at fighting stuff yeah, he will slash <laughs> something with the sword yeah or you know eldritch blast open a door when we're trying to sneak in yeah yeah the door needed to be open. Yeah, it yeah, was you open. Know, we don't have a lockpick. You know, I just had the spells right <laughs> That's there. True. I just, like, there you go. Just well, like good news. stealthily we Eldritch Blast. We still don't have it. any more lockpicks because Dobby lost his. Yeah, so, more Eldritch Blast the door open for so you, Baldine. Yeah, more Eldritch Blasting doors. <laughs> I mean, maybe if you like defeat this fence and his monsters, you'll put there'll be some lockpicks around, maybe. maybe. Sure. Maybe some dynamite, even. Who knows? <laughs> oh, Time geez. will tell. You know, drugs. We need drugs. And acid. Acid. We need acid. <laughs> uh, acid dynamite drugs. Someone's going to actually have all these things that Dobby can buy. You guys realize this, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's perfectly within within possibility that Dobby is just going to one day walk into walk into a store and it's going to be the acid bomb lockpick lock store. <laughs> store. He's, like, he's just like, okay, this is perfect. <laughs> I will buy your entire stock. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, and on that note, we're going to move on to our topic for the day, which is fantasy races. Um, so obviously, like, D&D is a, has, like, a huge selection of different races, um, which characters can play from, like, your standard elf to, um, to I don't know, like, enlightened animals, lithids, like, it goes the entire gamut, like, so many options. And we're going to talk about a lot of them today because it's a fun topic. Um, so first off, just a general question. Both of you, like, do you have a race you tend to default to when making a new character? Default, like, if mm -hmm. I'm just like, hey, play something and someone didn't, like, I, someone told me that day, half elf, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I um I tend to go classic half half elf or tiefling. Um, I play tiefling. a lot of tieflings lately. Um, I like to play my little devil girls. They're lots of fun. Yeah, little hornies. I love tieflings. 
Um, let's see. So when you play a character, when you design a character, do you tend to like take the racial lore into consideration when you're creating your character or do you just kind of play them like they could be a human like they could be anyone else because that's kind of like the two options that you can have you can either like go really deep be like like okay this is a full elf they have that's very important to them they like worship Coralon. they have a lot of like elven beliefs they're from this specific wood in this specific part and they speak this specific dialect or you can just play them as a little bit like dis more distant from their culture um, I guess it depends. Like, it depends on, uh, like, so that's, I mean, let's say uh, what class I play. Like, if I'm an elf, if I play like a, you know, a wizard, they might be, you know, more city, you know, or to, anyway, so they might be more human-ish in that, mm -hmm. like, realm, yeah. because, like, they're around a bunch of city and people with magic and learn how to do magic. Um, but if they're, like, you know, maybe, like, a fighter, they, you know, that might lean more into, like, oh, they are a classical elf, like, they might have a tribe, or they might have, uh, you know, a clan that they necessarily are a part of, and that might uh, fit that lore of that class better. Um, it kind of depends. Um, but I think generic, like, mostly, basically, I think, I think um, that I usually try to have some of the lore of the of the race in there somewhere because uh, if I just was I, I rather I mean if, if I was going to do like human-ish I would just play human which I mean yeah. humans are kind of boring so I'm like I'm already <laughs> human I don't really want to humans are basic it's already just... human um <laughs> I, it, I human it, done that yeah. yeah I think it depends for me on the game and like whether or not my character would fit into like the culture um depending on like if I play a half drow because I, I, I like my half drows um I kind of look at where they're from um and like what what's the lore of that world like are are do people distrust them are they from an area where they would be you know super into whatever that religion is they're into or that sort of thing I kind of base mine on world lore more than like traditional lore um because i i'm a big fan of play play your elf or play your tiefling mm -hmm. um you know you know play your drought uh, you know they don't have to be what everybody assumes and i kind of base it a lot on backstory like okay well this tiefling is born was born and raised in a temple so she's really you know she she's not in touch with with her infernal roots at all um, or, you know, this elf lived in her village of elves and everybody was an elf and they're kind of like elf racist, then yeah, I'll play into that because that's who she is and that's where she's from. So it's more whether or not it fits in the backstory rather than you fitting the backstory to it. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Um, it's interesting that you both said you default to half-elf because I think half-elf is the most boring race. Ooh. Both of you changed my mind. That's your challenge. Okay, no, well, I won't. Humans, I mean, I... humans already. That's like- I think humans already... are okay compared to half-elf. Half-elf just seems so, look, it's like, it's not a human. It's not an elf. It, I mean, it's both. That's racist. It's supposed to be half-elf. I think, I think half-elves, how I think people generically do them are boring. I think the way like Perry does them that's the way I usually do them. Mm -hmm. I like to have the, you know, that, that there is like, you know, that in between like, oh, like I don't really fit sometimes in human culture or elf culture, having both parents being alive and, you know, either around is like an interesting dynamic because necessarily yeah. elves don't necessarily stay with human partners because they die a lot faster. Mm -hmm. yeah. Elves usually are more free. So they might, you know, cook up and then like, okay, I'm, I'm going to go this way. Bye. Bye. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Or they might take the kid with them and like, oh, you're an elf, but like you're you're a half elf, like you're just one of our clan. So it's, I think doing it that way, where it's that interesting perspective of you know, uh, which culture are you like leaning towards? Do you try to fit both? Do you try to fit to one? Or is like your parents fighting over you or your parents together happily? That can be interesting dynamic too. Um, I think that that way is more interesting. There's like you know, I'm a half elf orphan, but I'm kind of like a human really. Yeah. Um, I mean, I will agree, I think. And I default to half-elf, I think, because it's 
depending on what I'm creating, it might just be part of it is just like the easiest way to, to make this work for this backstory. Um, my first ever character was a half elf bard. Um, <laughs> and I went super cliche. Um, human mother, ha- uh, elven father, um, mom eventually died while she, while she was taken to, to live with her father and the elves were super crappy to her because she wasn't Aww. really an elf. You know, I went deep into that cliche um, because it's easy. It's there. And I had no idea what I was doing lately. I mean, I made Perry a half elf because it made sense for that world to be mostly elves and humans living together. Um, and I, I, I tend to try to not do the whole only one parent is alive thing um, because it's super cliche. And I, I figured, hey, no, it'll be cute. You know, they're, they're both alive and Perry's mom is super aware that she's a wood elf and she's gonna live like thousands of years and her dad is not. Um, so like that yeah. dynamic, I get, to, I get to like build who Perry is living in a dynamic where her mom truly loves her father but is also really aware of that lifespan difference yeah, and, and me, how that relationship works. Yeah. Cause she's going to outlive you probably too. Or that's going to like, that's well a, here. Let's, let's hope we survive well, to level 20. Yeah, Archdruid. Yeah. yeah Archdruid. Archdruid. Let's just cling into the survival. Only lived like 800 ish. Uh, remember that wrong? Seven, 700, 800. I mean, so she might not outlive Harry. Yeah. I mean, um, I, uh, headcanon assumption is right now that her mom is is a druid like a um uh probably some sort of circle of the shepherd or something um so her mom might make it to arch druid and live thousands, thousands of years yeah. <laughs> um and her dad's definitely not yeah so like but but having having well having perry raised in a family where all of her siblings are half elves but her mom super loves her dad and is acutely aware of how limited their time is together so that they cherish that relationship so that I got to build Perry in a world where good relationships are where people love each other and love each other that much. Um, but no, you're right. half elves are really boring if you don't <laughs> play them. Like you have to get creative with them. It's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's cliche. It, everybody plays a half elf because Oh, half elf. I don't fit anywhere, but I'm really Ooh. charming. Yeah, um, I have good. Decks. Everybody loves me anyway, and I have, and you can't put me to sleep. Yeah, um, <laughs> I don't or, need to sleep at all, actually. Yeah, um, I tend to actually lean heavily on playing tieflings, or if I'm gonna play a, a half elf, I play a variant, either like a dra- half drow, or I, I went wood elf for Perry instead of just taking that basic level of um basic bitch half elf um because mm-hmm. I, I i've been trying to explore more um i have an asimar right now and and she's yeah. really fun she's so fun. oh tara <laughs> <laughs> oh tara <laughs> um but i think though i think i think it's good and fun to explore other races honestly yeah and i have more fun doing it um I'm trying to think i don't think i've actually ever played the same race twice i've only been playing DD for like three years four <laughs> years <laughs> some years my first character was a human necromancer and i just got weirder from there um <laughs> yeah okay uh what's my next question tieflings are great though love tieflings i love tieflings i've got yeah, they're so great <laughs> yeah i've got one now and one i have planned to play for another campaign i'm super excited about her I think I've literally never actually played a tiefling. Tiefling, amazing! They're so fun. You can be any I just, color. I just, I don't think I've ever. Played oh yeah, a like, I have a hot pink tiefling. Okay, <laughs> I have a hot pink like, tiefling. No, she, I'm gonna do something is, else. <laughs> she has little horns. You don't want a tail, Khalil. You don't want a tail. No, I she's think got like a tail great. And she's I got like you know little rams. I like, I'll have adorable. character ideas for a tiefling, like you know, uh-huh. in my head. I'm like, no, I'll just do something else. I'm. I'll save for later. You get to be kind of creepy and spooky sometimes, like yeah. flashing your fangs and yelling in Infernal. Yeah. Um, You've got, what's that called? Hellish Rebukes. If anyone touches you, you can just set them on fire. It's cool shit. <laughs> um, okay, yeah. So actually, um, speaking of like 
dex bonuses and stuff for half elves. Um, so how do we all feel about like the race-based ability scores? Um, do they encourage power gaming is my question because like there's definitely some advantage to having like um, like an elf ranger or like a, a halfling rogue or something because it gives you bonuses to the ability scores that you're going to want within that class. I think yes. I okay. also think yes. Mm -hmm. um, because it's kind of they're like those are like you know tiefling warlock uh halfling bar our, our rogue uh you know half elf bar like those are like stereotypes because they work so well oh yeah um i think it's just kind of it's hard especially if you roll not you know average to not good you kind of mm -hmm. have to you can't be like you know crippled the whole time like no one wants to play like the handicapped like or you know no one wants to play like the like i'm just i got off the street and i was like i'm gonna be a venture today but like i'm not good at it at all i'm not good at it i'm yeah, a real like, level one it, yeah it's like it makes you it kind of does um if you you know if you roll well you know it, it's that gives you a bit more freedom to do you know weirder stuff mm. i think uh using like you know mid you know if you roll mid or use uh you know uh point by our standard it kind of does kind of push you into like a uh, a race that would help you beneficially um, oh yeah definitely i mean if you're if you roll really well then yeah okay play a tiefling cleric that has you know the bonuses aren't to wisdom but if you roll like crap and you want to play you know a rogue then yeah you're gonna you know it's it's so much easier and and you never want to feel like coming right out of the gate i'm not going to survive the first right. two encounters um not going to make the level two or just like I'm not going to make level two because so. i think or, that yeah. personally that makes me feel like if i'm playing a game i feel absolutely useless like i can't contribute anything it kind of makes me feel bad for myself because i'm like i can't help i agree party at all i'm just dead weight yeah uh, yeah, that that I also really agree with. Like, especially if you roll barely average, right? And you may have like a single good stat, mm -hmm. otherwise, and you can't do anything. Oh, I don't have any strength. I'm also right. not very smart. I can't lift, sneak, <laughs> can't <hide>. think, <laughs> think about things. But I got, I can talk to people, kind of, kind of. But I can't say right. anything. I can't say anything. Or I'm, super, or I'm super fast. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're a specialist. You know, but you got your got It's niche. hard to hit me, but that's about it. That's about um, it. Yeah. But I think the nice thing, though, I will say about 5e um, is that there are so many like variant races, so many like, um, like just like races in there, like the, the Tomb of Foes, like all the, the books they've come out recently. There's mm -hmm. so many like variants, like of elves, like, you know, you can have con for your elf, or you can have intelligence or charisma. Like tiefling, there's like a one tiefling that does anything. Like you know, if you want to be a tiefling, you could most likely get away being a tiefling. Anything because there's like, mm -hmm. you know, they both like wisdom for something. Yeah, to just pick like a different strength. ancestor. Yeah, um, I would like them to do more of that. I would like to have more options for more races because it would then I think that would get rid of that. Uh, well, now I have to be the tiefling bard. You know, now you'd be like, oh, I'm gonna be the furbolg furbolg bard. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think for your physical stats, your con, your strength, your dex, it makes sense for them to be kind of racial. Like, yeah, okay, elves are kind of dexy. Right. You know, yeah. they're lithe mm -hmm. creatures, but it doesn't make sense to say, oh, orcs are just stupid. All right. orcs are stupid. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, the, the, your soft stats, I feel like shouldn't be racially bound. Right, because right. you're not interesting. You're not smart because you're an elf. You're smart because you're smart. You know, but you might be. You, a Goliath is gonna be strong. A Goliath right. is gonna have con. They're massive people, but that doesn't mean that they have to also be dumb. Yeah, they don't have to be big dumb brutes. They can be big smart brutes. All the more deadly. Yeah, actually, always made me wonder. Like, why do tieflings get the charisma bonus when they're um, when their description is all like everybody's suspicious of you because you look like a devil. 
Yeah, see, I always yeah. felt that way too. Asmodeus is sexy. That's all, you know. I mean, it's sexy. sexy. And I mean, I do. Like... I play it Asmodeus tiefling. And yeah, I mean, Asmodeus be the sexy beast, yeah. but still, <laughs> doesn't make sense with like their their um flavor in the book. Yeah. I think but everyone just, just loves devil, devil, devil women and men. I think people just love. Devil. I mean, look, Half you devils, you go you know? crazy for a tail, man. Yeah. I don't know what to tell It's you. all about those horns, though. You know, yeah. grab them. <laughs> <laughs> i'm glad you said it because i was going to <laughs> fun times guys okay um so question what's like a race you have not gotten a chance to play that you really really want to mm. oh uh well we've already know that i don't I haven't played a tiefling um mm -hmm. but i want to play a gift Ooh, oh there's nice. like extra yeah. long i know what you mean yeah. Cool. I think those are very interesting. Uh, like their lords in general is super interesting. Uh, yeah. But I think those are that's a very interesting race. And uh, Baldur's Gates three, I mean the gift in that game, just like oh, okay, yeah, I feel that. I think I'd like to play. I mean, I tend to play um, super humanoids, um, mm -hmm. but I think I would like to either play an or an ha a half orc um or a halfling i really <laughs> want to play a halfling barbarian you know i oh, would like so to rage <laughs> that'd be fun half orcs are really fun too my second character was a half orc and she was great half orc paladin i'm so um yeah and actually the one that i have not gotten a chance to play it that i really want to is warforged like the D, &D robot oh, yeah they are so oh, cool yeah, those are super cool too mm -hmm. i want to be like a warforged rogue i'll just be like a oh. little all painted black all painted matte black assassin yes. stab. Initiating stab, stab, stab. just mm. exterminate really yeah right um okay so let's talk about bad guy races like sort of like the goon races like goblins orcs kobolds um drow like full-blood orcs and drow um like have you ever played one of these would you ever want to uh i think i haven't played one at all i think no i wouldn't want to play uh priest i would say no um i think one of the new books has kind of fix a few of these races for me um mm -hmm. because like laura said like why like you know orcs all orcs aren't dumb like why does he have like a negative to intel like intelligence like i don't necessarily want to be a dumb orc you know unless like that's my character i thought like oh mm -hmm. I mean, he doesn't matter if he's dumb or not but like maybe i want to be an orc wizard uh, i think yeah. the new new books have like fixed a few of those yeah. races um and kind of it's kind of hard to be like a drow if like most of your game is on the the top side on the surface the yeah you'd need like yeah. an underdark game <laughs> that'd be interesting that'd be cool though. Like a drow that's invented basically the opposite of the goggles of night right <laughs> um right, yeah just slathered in sunscreen a, every day which yeah. that's actually a concept i've been toying with because i'd love to play like a full drow um mm -hmm. but there's that disadvantage your daylight issue um and I mean, like like Khalil said, a lot of a lot of it is like, at, at in the beginning, I didn't want to play these races because I don't want to play the race that everybody's going to assume is evil. Like it's right. not fun to have everybody hate you all the time. It's one thing to go to a game and it's okay. Well, people are suspicious of you, but they're going to get over it. But if like literally everybody hates the orc, everybody hates the drow, and they're never going to change, and you're all of your people are evil, and you're just like the one good one it's gross like yeah. that's a really gross feeling um and i mean i have a big problem with i don't i don't think any race should be evil like mm -hmm. that's you're not born evil just because you're a certain race um and I, i'm glad to see that a lot of that is being fixed yeah and i'm glad to see that wizards has been like really open to hey we realize we have screwed up and what we have done stuff. is not cool and let's fix that that was actually one of my next questions so is it like 
problematic that there are these like straight evil races where it says like in the book contextually these ones skew evil like isn't it all cultural really Do, would you like to see as wizards of the coast like sort of um inches away from having these races be just like um instinctually evil would you like to have it be more like cultural misunderstandings like what direction do you want them to go with that ideally i think if like you know i think saying like you know um can like you know for humans to say you know can it be any you know alignment um mm-hmm. but um but you know they kind of describe with you know their characteristics of lore uh like you know like because like you know drow there's like things that drow do you're like okay i mean yeah that'd be evil in my opinion you know you could you know and tell them what the drow you know how their you know religion is based off of what they do as you know characteristics um and then like you know but there are also you know that is not the standing that's not you know every drow you know how drizzt is a good drow uh you know and you can be any you know alignment you want it's just the the lore of some of the drow we have in the uh the you know realms yeah are there drow i mean i assume so there are you know the men don't have a bigger role big role in the uh you know the society so I think, and I think there's there's some lore on like how there are men who you know escape servitude, you know cap- captivity, and you know do things topside and try to you know transfer slaves from the, the mm-hmm. underdark to the top. They're not necessarily even good, even them though themselves either though. But that's like you could see a more you know anti-hero role or like mm-hmm. a neutral alignment with those type of drow as well. So it's like you could fix it so it's like you still have like that lore. So like you know if you understood like okay slavery is bad. Those those drow are bad. Not all mm-hmm. drow are bad. Yeah, um, I'd like to see some expansion on the lore, um, specifically. Like instead of like you open it up and you read drow, and it's like all drow are evil, and they worship mm-hmm. wolf, and they keep slaves, and they hate the elves, and they're monsters, and everybody hates them except for Dritz. Dritz is okay, right. um, except for one. Except yeah. for one, and 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 that's the the thing is I think that instead of I mean I don't think it necessarily needs to just be well culturally they're misunderstood because that still feeds into the here's why people are racist against these people as opposed to an understanding of the people themselves like yes okay the drow and the underdark that worship loth are pretty bad bad yeah but you can't tell me that literally every drow that ever existed every drow community that ever existed is evil the same Mm -hmm. way you can't tell me that every orc village is just a tribe of bloodthirsty monsters biting people's heads off um so what i'd like to see is an expansion of the lore and let's let's talk about a generalized these are all the different ways that it can be as opposed to i'm 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 not saying i'm not willing to do the work to to make up my own lore but it would be better and it would help dms if there's more to build on Mm -hmm. more of okay, well, here's what drow society looks like when it's not wealth related. Right. You know, here's, here's what, a, a, here's what a whole city of peaceful orcs can do. And I, I like what, uh, what Matt has done with uh, the mantras races. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, me too. Um, and really kind of flipping that narrative on its head, because I think in the uh, Alexandria guide, uh, the humans and Lama are mostly evilish alignments, mm-hmm. I believe. And the 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 uh Yorhas uh they're like either neutral or like chaotic they're not necessarily all evil over in Yorhas yeah. so I like what he's done like it's kind of this well I mean you can decide who is evil based on what you think personally yeah but just because you know this one person does one thing doesn't necessarily mean this one person is doing something because they are evil they they do something because this is what they believe in yeah. um and I think that's alignment in general I think that's what alignment should be because we are someone else's villains and you are someone else's heroes, no matter what mm-hmm. you do uh, in every story. Um, if you might save people, you know, be the hero, but to someone else, you are the villain who let their store burn down to save some child falling out of a tree, you know? It depends yeah. on what you see in the world of your alignment. Yeah, I feel all that. I think, as you guys were saying, sort of the issue is not that there are evil drow or there are evil orcs, it's that the whole race is treated as a monolith. It's like all of them are this way, which doesn't make any sense. Um, okay, so 
question, what about more, like even more textually um, evil races like Illithid or Blue Dragons or like other intelligent, but very, very, very malevolent races? either as like potential for player characters or just in general thoughts i'm thinking about how terrifying it would be to be in a party with an illithid now yeah. right um <laughs> just like I, there's a lot of bias there where i'm just like mm, do i want to be in a party I mean, with a mind player yeah <laughs> i'm like oh well I'm, I'm now playing something that doesn't sleep you know i'll play warforged i just have to like sit there and um, I'm, I'm always aware. Oh yeah, he's you're good. Like, you don't have a brain. He's like, oh yeah, I don't want to talk. I, yeah, good. so we're yeah, good. I'll, I'll play something that there. doesn't sleep and Same. doesn't need to worry about my brain being eaten. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, I don't know. It depends. I it's, it's kind of hard because, like, just like you're saying, like uh, how like every you know all. Um, races aren't the same it's kind of strange because for illithids they kind of are all the same because they have a group thing yeah they have, they a, have, hive hive mind. Yeah, they have yeah. a hive mind so it's so, kind I mean, of it's kind of like it's like where do you how do you how's that how do you explain that lore wise because they are all connected by one mother brain so it's like in this I case mean, I, I mean, I would, it's one person I, I kind of right i mean i would i would like to see the idea of a non-malevolent hive that would be really interesting yeah, yeah. i don't know how it, i don't know how it would work well, well they don't have to eat like, people brains do they maybe uh, they could have cattle good point i don't know not quite sure i know that they are they have they have like the, the potential to be nice they're not necessarily they're uh i believe the elfids are like they were slaves themselves they're yes uh, they're mm -hmm. running from the gifts the gift yank yeah. or gift sarai one of the gifts i think it's the gift sarai um so they have the potential to be like oh we just really we just want to chill like we're just peaceful we just don't want to avoid being you know killed to death um but i think <laughs> <laughs> i think the just the whole brain thing kind of like sets people apart yeah it's you know? kind of it's like a big hurdle to get yeah. over the whole brain thing like i mean as, don't as far my as brain bro <laughs> I mean, as oh. far as things like malevolent blue dragons, the I I I feel like that 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 gets you into the area of Tiamat and Bahamut, and what does that all mean? Um, right. As far as your your colors of dragons, mm -hmm. um, because I feel like it's hypocritical to say, well, I don't think all player races should be like all races right. should be made into you know, one race is evil and one race is good, but that I think a certain type of creature is. Because, um, I mean, you yeah. can have a blue dragonborn. Yeah, that's, yeah, because, I mean, blue dragon, the colored chromatic dragonborn can be, you know, good or evil. I don't, so, I mean, I mean... I think anything with, like, an intelligence, especially of dragons levels, I think they can be whatever, smart. you know... Yeah, I, I agree. Whatever I, I they feel can like, desire to be. I mean, I think you can play that as, you know... If you're chromatic, you have that tinge of Tiamat in the back of your mind trying to turn you. Um, but you don't have to. Because I, I agree with Khalil. I think if you have a level of intelligence, then I feel like you can't really say, well, I'm evil always. You're born evil. Yeah. I mean, you're intelligent enough to make your own choices. Good discussions. <laughs> Um, okay, so let's pivot away from that and talk. Oh, we only have like two minutes. Okay, let's talk very quickly um, about like very obscure races, um, like Linens, Tritons, um, Enlightened Animals, Warforged. Do you think part of the, or um, what's the big one? Um, we just fearbulg fearbulg oh, yeah. yeah um do you think part of the appeal of playing a character like that is having everyone do like a double take when they see you on the street um that's my question <laughs> that was it i had a follow-up in their mind I, I to be honest i think yeah i mean yeah. um like i mean yeah, I, I guess to some level, yeah. i mean because yeah. that's that's some of the fun if you play a, a tiefling in a place where tieflings are rare mm -hmm. that double take like yeah you drop your hood and there are horns like, oh, or like, or, you know, you play, you know, a drow and when you drop your hood, oh my God, it's a drow. Um, that sort of head turn 
because because it opens up the door for like some character exploration like how do you react to being you know considered weird to getting sudden attention where you were normal before mm-hmm. yeah i think yeah i think yeah because i mean i feel like in our game uh ball team is probably outside of orion is probably the weirdest race True. uh yeah I think he is. He's got the at least because uh, Tiefling seems to be a more commonish thing. He's got the the most like oh. I mean, you did have that whole thing where Dobby there. assumed that that guy was racist, <laughs> right? Yeah, blue. Yeah, yeah. Um, because he's blue. It's because he's yeah. blue. It's because he's blue. Got a problem with blue people? <laughs> Fun times. Okay, one last question. What do you think about the fact that we, the D and D players of the world, have essentially? Um, pretty universally decided that orcs are green and tieflings come in every single color in the rainbow despite the fact that the book very much says the opposite. I mean, it's a big question is why are orcs considered just green? Like why do they have to be green? Um, well in the book they're gray but I think that's stupid. I don't know why I just have very strong feelings about it. I mean I, I feel like I'm sorry if I'm if I'm if my ancestor's a devil, I can be whatever color I want to be, <laughs> um, which is why my cleric is pink. Mm-hmm. Um, because why not? Um, I'm for it. I think more colors everywhere. That's my thought. I want to see a blue orc. Yep. I want to see a blue orc or a purple orc. Let's let's see a purple orc. I want to see a purple, purple orc. Make it happen. Yep. I got little lavender tusks. Yes. Yes. Okay, and that takes us to our the end of our show. Yay. Um, thank you guys for watching. Thank you to Laura and Khalil for being here and talking with me about a bunch of nerdy shit. Stick around for the links that will be up on our ending card and have a great night. Um, tune in on Friday for the next episode of World for Damage and tune in on Tuesday for the next episode of What's the Damage. Good night, guys. Night. Bye.